Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horsebook authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horsebook. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. Today, I am so excited to have author Ann Hunter on the show. Hi, Ann. Welcome. Hey, everybody. What's up? You were one of my first five interviews, so I'm going to do like Thank a, you for making me your top five. Well, yeah, I mean, like we've sort of like talked on email and social media and stuff, but we've never like, you know, talked to each other. So I right. thought this would be really cool. And I love everything that you're doing with BookBub and your email marketing is spectacular. So it's like I've, I've enjoyed following what you're up to. So I thought this would be great. Yay. So I'm going to just hop in and read Anne's bio so you know a little bit about her before we get into the fun part, which is the interview. Multi-award winning author Anne Hunter is awesome (laughs) and hilarious, which is so true. She is often told it must be a blast living in her brain. She argues that the voices in her head never shut up. Boy, I can feel that. The only way to get relief is to let them out onto the page. She likes cherry soda with chocolate ice cream, is a mom first, and a writer second, is currently a few ranks away from her black belt in Olympic-style Taekwondo, and has a secret identity. Hmm. (laughs) She lives in cozy Utah, home with her two awesome kids and epic husband. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah, so so Anne, you have so many books out there in the world. Would you um, tell me a little bit about your books? How many you have out there? And I know that there's a really special meaning behind, behind what you're writing. Uh, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about, about that message that you want to share with people. Absolutely. Um, it's always a trick question. I've published over a dozen books, but I've written so many more. I started when I was really young. Um, I've been writing novels since my early teens, and there's no stop for the future. There's always a voice, you know, a story inside me that it, it won't be still. So you just got to like get it out there and, and make it sing. And, and you do that obviously so well. And, and yeah, and I, I, I love your writing. I love your books. And, and, and there's a message inside your books, which I think we'll get into once we start talking a little bit about, um, you know, you write about the glamorous, fast-paced world of horse riding in your young adult series, North Oak, which, which is actually kind of what brought us together. You've run a couple promotions around the North, North Oak series that you've invited me. Thank you so much to be a part of. And, um, you know, this, this series has inspired our connection. So would you tell us a little bit about the North Oak series and, and the message that you're sharing there? Yeah, so originally I wrote North Oak when I was uh, the summer before I turned 12. So I was 11 years old. I, there was a gentleman at Briarfist last summer and he asked me about that. And he said, how did, how did North Oak come into being? And I said, well, sir, 24 years ago, I was a bored 12-year-old. And North Oak recently celebrated its 25th birthday since its inception in 94. Uh, Like I said before, I started writing the series right before I turned 12 as a way to entertain myself. I was an only child growing up, and I'd spend the summers with my grandparents in New Hampshire, and that's my happy place. When I close my eyes, that's that's where I go. That's my place of peace. One day, they just wanted them some time, right? 
and I got to riding. So it started out with just a tough runaway orphan named Alex who liked horses because what girl doesn't? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it went from there. I already loved horse racing, so eventually flowed into that as well. But over the years and, and lots and lots of um, just incarnations of it, it grew into something more until I knew what it needed to be for this day and age. And it needed to be a series that spoke to young people and some of the really horrible stuff they have to put up with these days, like suicide and bullying and you know, having to deal with their sexuality, none of the stuff that we really had to um, heavily face when we were kids. Mm -hmm. So I wanted that to be out there for them so they would have a hero to look up to. So between the ages of 12 and 16, I wrote 20 novels of the North Oak series. And I plan to do that um, with this one and to get at least 20 in this series. Wow, that that is that's like amazing and such an aspiration and and twenty novels. I I can only imagine it. It takes a lot to sit down and 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 write a book and, and put that energy in. We're headed into number eight right now, so that's almost halfway there. That's fantastic. And so obviously, all young girls love writing or reading about horses. Anything about horses, in fact. Like I'll pick up anything with a horse on the cover or a horse on something. So, um, tell us a little bit about like what excites you about writing horse stories. And then uh, racing. You know, racing is is really interesting. Like, did you have to do extra research to to do this? Like, how did you um, put the racing into your story? Right. So I grew up reading Joanna Campbell's Thoroughbred series, and that was racing, and I loved it. And I don't want to say that I copied North Oak off of it. In fact, I was already writing it by the time I started reading Thoroughbred, and I would get mad that she would have the same ideas that I did. You were destined. You were destined for fame. I mean, look at that. Lucky little 13-year-old. Let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, when I was nine... My aunt worked at the Saratoga backside, the the track there, as a security guard. And she brought me um, a Post magazine with Julie Crone on the cover. And this is actually in my mailing list. Like, if anybody joins, they'll see this story of how I got into racing. And I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so people can join your mailing list and get all this great stuff. Hall of Fame jockey Julie Crone was on the cover of this magazine. And in the middle, you open it up. And there was a huge pull-out poster of Secretariat in, like, his Superman stride, you know? Um, tangent on that, they just built a monument in that Superman stride. And it's, it's incredible. It blows my mind. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> so she brought me this magazine. And, of course, seeing, seeing Secretariat like that, I was hooked, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what got me into racing long before I ever started reading Thoroughbred. And... Um, once I got hooked on that, I started just watching horse racing and being obsessed with it. And eventually I found an online model horse racing club. It's like fantasy football, but it's based on pedigrees. And I learned so much from that over the next 10, 15 years that I participated in that. And I eventually started the Model Thoroughbred Racing Association um, where we could do thoroughbreds. What I was doing before was quarter horses, paints, mm-hmm. Appaloosa, standardbreds, Arabians, all those other racing species. Um, you can call them species because it's like, it's, I don't know, it's not on the same level as thoroughbreds to me. So um, I started the Thoroughbred Association and 
um, I learned even more from that. And so I just used that as my, you know, my foothold to continue exploring racing. And my senior paper in high school was even on the thoroughbred racing industry. And I was able to visit River Edge Farm where Bertrando stood and interview the manager there. And I wanted to go into that industry just because I loved it so much. But I kept coming back to writing because that was always my first passion. So I like to say that I'm a lot like Alex and just like her, I, I love racing. I love the concept of going fast, mm. of your heart just bursting and the sting of wind on your face and tears in your eyes. I love the ideation of farm life and simple romances that all start with the horse. That's wonderful. I mean, clear, clearly you're a fan and you did your research and you learned a lot as you were developing this character. So uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm so a couple things are coming to mind for me. So like clearly what's going on in thoroughbred ra racing right now must be pretty upsetting for you with, with yeah, the Santa Anita tragedies and that's ridiculous. Yeah. They need to fix that track. I'm, I'm wondering, does, is, does that inspire any stories for you or, or you anything? No, I do want to play. I do want to play around with the idea in North Oak. Um, there's certainly going to be scandals as my main characters get a little older and have to start dealing with adult issues. And it's not always going to stem from them, you know, Mm -hmm. um, people can get jealous of success and start blaming stuff on you but yeah I really want to incorporate what's going on at Santa Anita right now with all the horses breaking down there's something fundamentally wrong with the track and I do want to say that I believe they don't breed them like they used to you know mm -hmm. they don't have they don't have legs of steel like Man of War and John Henry and they've bred them for you know to go faster younger and all of that and i think it's it's a mix of the two but i think there's there's something going on with santa anita's foundation yeah and, and it's a mystery and we'll we'll see how that develops but great fodder for for your books for the future right and Absolutely. i and i love that you're going to follow the characters as they grow older and you know introduce them to new uh, adult issues i think that that is is really cool and you know it's like people get a lifelong journey with these characters so right I, my intention is kind of like when i tell people that it's like harry potter where we start with him really young mm -hmm. and we follow him into young adulthood it's kind of that idea um and eventually i will introduce some younger characters so that the series doesn't have to necessarily stop when we start pulling away from the adult characters that we've grown up with which is really cool and and you know so you're creating a series that actually re your readers can grow up with right. as well so that's really I'm exciting creating a dynasty carly yes you are ma'am <laughs> good on you you rock it out i'm so proud of you um and and then so something else uh, you know came up as we were we were talking too is, is you talked that you you wrote these initial books when you were very young so so how did that look did you like kind of keep them tucked away and then as you got oh, older, I still have all I still have all of them all the original notebooks <clears throat> as you got older like what age were you when you started kind of bringing you know bringing them back up and and going through them and making them into your manuscripts for for starting off and kicking off the, the series yeah, I don't think I ever really took a break um, in high school I'm maybe like the first year or two of college I took a break and then in my early 20s I started rewriting them so folks right now we're looking at Anne's original journals from when she first started oh. developing the, this was uh, book number five of the north oak series this is yeah. awesome mustang written words mustang was originally what it was called let me see like 
tiny little writings. Look at that. That is so wonderful. You know, it's, it's so cool to hear you talking about how you started these when you were young. I, I think when you're a writer, you're always a writer. And I have journals upon journals upon journals of, of things that I wrote when I was little too. It's so fun to go through that too, isn't it? To look back at your past and be like, wow. Yeah. Mind. And sometimes I'm, I'm actually curious about like how long the chapters were. Like I've got have some like right here you can see they're like a page each yeah <laughs> that's amazing but but little did you know that all the way back then you started this again how old were you when you started this again i was it was january 20 not january july 24th 1994 so it was right before i turned 12. wow that's incredible turned 12 that september so little did you know when you were 12 years old, you were creating the beginnings of this ultimately <laughs> successful series. Yeah, hold the book up. Let us see the, the beautiful cover for Norco. Yeah. We have to tell everybody that it does it does the trick. My mother got after me at Briarfest. Okay, she was one of my assistants. She's like, you can't call it a trick. It's a feature. It's a feature. Oh, so, it's a feature of the book. Okay, so down here in this corner, there's a little racehorse. I don't know if we'll get it to do it or not, but can you kind of oh see it running? That. Yes, at the bottom of her books on the pages, when you flip them through, a horse runs across the pages. And that is incredible. Yep. That was my husband's genius. He typeset the paperbacks for me. Well, how lucky are you that you have a husband that understands right? web design and yeah, graphic I design? I couldn't ask for a better, you know, half partner in the publishing company. That's fantastic. I, you know, I can't even imagine how much effort it took to, to make a horse run across the bottom pages of your book in the paperback edition. That must have taken, really taken something. He, you know, he, you'll talk to him and he'll be so modest about it. He's like, no, I just like use the four, same four or five images over and over again. Wow. So, but he, he has a BA in, um, a BFA in animation. Mm -hmm. So that, that helps. <laughs> That's a really unique feature. And, and does that happen in all eight books in the series so far? Um, in just the paperback. So I've got the first three in paperback. Um, I haven't figured out how to make it happen for the Kindle. Right. I'm sure. But I, guess, I guess that's what makes having the paperback all the more fun. Special. Absolutely. Yeah. And would you hold the, the, the book cover up one more time for us so we can see the beautiful book? I'll give you, I brought on the first three. Oh, they're beautiful. You know, which leads me directly into what I wanted to ask you because your covers are so beautiful. I mean, I haven't seen anything quite quite like the work you're doing on the covers of your books. Would you talk to us a little bit about the inspiration behind them and, and how they've been designed? Of course, your husband has right. helped with that, but, but there's more to it than just that, correct? Yeah, so um, again, it kind of goes back to the Thoroughbred series. I love Paul Cassell's work. Um, I kind of dreamed of having him do my covers when I grew up, but unfortunately he passed away before that happened. Hmm. So I had an idea of what I wanted my covers to look like and I went on to DeviantArt. And I recommend DeviantArt to a lot of indie authors because it is such a rich database of talented artists. And I just started looking for artists that have that same style. So eventually I found Nicole Bryant and we worked out a deal and yeah, she does work like this. And then my husband, he does the typesetting. So he designed the logo and he does the typesetting. Okay. And then Nicole does the paintings. 
and they're they're painting so 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 explain to me the process of the painting these beautiful covers and then you know like how do you come up with those ideas for her to paint yes so we'll find um a photo that we're really inspired by and my husband will take it through photoshop and we'll we'll do a mock-up to our own what we want for the cover and then we send the mock-up to nicole and then she paints it digitally from scratch that's amazing and that that really it really shows that you put a lot of effort in and a lot of thought into your your covers because they are absolutely stunning i mean they pull you right in and, and they're all very authentic horse racing images i think which gives your 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 books this just beautiful real look and feel like you know what you're doing you know yeah you know what you're getting into when you look at it mm-hmm. um one our next cover that's coming up for number eight I found this mind-blowing photo of, um, it's a shot of the rest of the field in a race through the back legs of a thoroughbred that's already like in the lead. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're going to paint that up to to what we need. And there's dirt flying and stuff. It's really, it's going to be really (laughs) spectacular. That is so cool. And uh, so clearly this is a a long-term relationship that you've, you've had with, with the woman that paints your pictures. And then um, it's just, I don't know, like breathtaking. And I imagine it takes a while, right? To get, get those developed. So we, um, I try to let her know a couple months in advance when I need it. And so, and then I don't, I don't really pressure her. I say, okay, here's, here's what I need it by. And when you get me like so much of the cover done, I'll send you like a partial payment. And, and then I just keep paying her until it's done. And that keeps us both motivated. And I really like having a cover because it kind of generates sort of a muse so that you, you're inspired to write for it because you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So the covers are huge motivators and, you know, they carry the books along. So you decided to self-publish your book series. What led you to make that decision and, and, and why would you go that route rather than traditional publishing? Um, I believe that indie publishing is just, it's, it's the way to go for authors today. If you think about it, um, this is what I tell other other writers because it's what I've learned through experience. With traditional publishing, if you're lucky, you'll land an agent who will then shop it around to publishers who, if you're lucky, will pick it up. And then you have to pay your agent 10 to 15% and your publisher takes 60% of your royalties. And the check that you get, your advance, is meant for you to market yourself. And you don't get a red dime until you've paid that back in sales in a brick-and-mortar store that may or may not be there in a few years, on a shelf where your book may not be featured like every other book in the store with the cover out and all pretty. They're just going to be spying out on the shelf, and nobody knows to look for you unless they know who you are. Now, if you look on the reverse side, indie publishing is... You do the work yourself, you keep all the money, and you're expected to market anyway both ways, so why let somebody take 70% of your money if you're going to do the work anyway? Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense to me uh, to do it myself, and I, I enjoy having control over every aspect of my book, how it works, how it presents, and I don't think a traditional publisher would pick up North Oak because of 
what it deals with and because it's horses and horses aren't necessarily a popular market they're very niche mm-hmm. so that's that's why i chose indie publishing i like having control over everything calling the shots and keeping my money and I, you know i think it's so weird that traditional publishers think that horse books are niche because there are so many horse lovers out in the world i find it so strange that it's considered that way i mean i've heard from a lot of different authors who ended up going the independent publishing route which which i also do because i like to have that creative control myself um that have been turned away by traditional publishers because it's a niche topic courses which is um really interesting to me and then they went on to self-publish their own books just like you have and they have this phenomenal success so it's um it's really incredible. And then, you know, what would you say to people, because there, there is this, you know, and there's nothing wrong with either way. It's, it's totally up to what, what you decide. Right. You know? But I, what would you say to people that are like, I don't want to do the marketing. I don't want to do all that work. Um, that's why I would rather work with a traditional publisher. Like, what would you, what would you say? I would tell them that the traditional marketer, uh, the traditional publisher is going to make the market anyway. They have to have their own platform. They have to put themselves out there. So I, you're going to do it yourself anyway. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, there are expectations and and an advance isn't like a huge bonus payout to you. It's something that is based against your books, right? You have to sell so many books. It's a loan, you guys. You have to pay it back before you get any more money. Mm-hmm. And this is not, you know, a poo-poo on traditional publishing no. um, conversation. It's, it all depends on what your goals are. Right. And what's interesting, though, about it is it, this this independent platform has opened up possibilities for authors. And I think that that's what's important to, important to talk about. You know, you retain your rights. You retain c- c- creative control. You, you have a say in everything that's happening. Um, And it's very much like, uh, you know, what happened with independent film, right? There's like the, you know, there's nothing wrong with an independent film. It's just a, it's an indie pathway to putting something out into the world. The same thing with an independent artist, like often an independent music artist will go out. um, Dave Matthews was like this. It's a grassroots effort. They're an independent author. They build their platform and their fame, and then they get picked up by a huge music distributor. It, it, It can operate very similarly in the book world, right? We, we develop, we develop first and then, and then we have all these opportunities once we built our platform. Would you right. agree with that? Yeah, I, I think so. And it, again, it goes back to what your goals are long-term. If you want to be with, um, if it makes you feel that you've achieved something getting through with a traditional publisher, go for it. If you feel empowered by being an indie publisher and um, taking responsibility for all of that, go for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really interesting too, because in the in the route to becoming a traditionally published author, there's there's a lot of work that goes into that. You have, you have to write these letters, you have to find an agent, you have to do you know a proposal for your book. There's like all this stuff on the front end that you have to do, and then you're responsible for the marketing too. So there's there there is there is similar amounts of work. It's just you know this this way or this way. Uh, so anyway, um, that was really fascinating conversation and go indie authors. Um, Yeah. So speaking of marketing, um, I noticed, and I found this really interesting that you don't have an author website when I was galloping around looking for information so I could build our interview questions. I noticed you didn't have a website. Would you talk a little bit about, about that and why? Yeah. So Ann Hunter is taken by a stupid baby. (laughs) 
Okay, so a baby has your has has the domain anhunter.com, correct? For the, yeah, for one of the first conferences I went to, they really counseled you to get a domain name with just your name, like straight out anhunter.com, not anhunter.biz, not anhunter.net, anhunter.com. So once I started looking that, I found out it was taken by a baby for like the last five, ten years, and it drives me crazy. Um, the site isn't up there now, but they still have the URL registered, and I can't get it, and it makes me mad. Um, <laughs> for North Oak, it's the same deal. I wanted North Oak for a long time, and this property management company picked it up. And I tried to get it from them and they wanted a couple thousand dollars for the URL. And I'm like, nope. Luckily, I have a husband who is a software designer and an animator and all of that wonderful things. So when he has the time, he can build me a website once I figure out what URL I want to use. Until then, I think it prudent to direct readers and audience members to where they can get the book directly. Uh, they can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, iBooks, Google Play. You just got to type in Ann Hunter and North Oak. It's Ann Hunter North Oak, and it'll come right up. Uh, there's also some other posers who are trying to use my name, but they keep adding Christy Ann Hunter and Ryan Ann Hunter, and I am the original Ann Hunter, <laughs> just so you know. You are the original Ann Hunter, and I wouldn't have it. You're great. I wouldn't have it any other way. Have you tried AnnHunterAuthor.com? You know, I was thinking Ann Hunter writes. Oh, but I then like I was that. like, my. You know how like we doubt ourselves sometimes, and we get the imposter syndrome. So uh, it was one of those days where it's like Ann Hunter writes sometimes. <laughs> well that is true is that you know so it's like I think all writers kind of struggle with getting our buns in the chair and sitting down and, and writing is is it the same for you like do you have a routine what do you you know how do you get your words out I well I struggle with depression and anxiety so I sleep a lot to just cope I'm you know my my taekwondo master's like that's not coping that's avoiding but it's part of how I cope. So I, I write when I can. I don't believe in like, oh, when the muse strikes me, oh, when I have writer's block, I don't believe in that. Um, I write when I have the emotional energy too because of what North Oak deals with, it does take, it's very demanding. It does take a lot of emotional energy. Um, Dark Horse number six just dealt purely with depression and that was really hard to get through and have to face my own demons along with Alex. So every year at Christmas, I ask for a planner, okay? Mm -hmm. And then inside, I make all my goals for the month. I put a writing amount, like how many words I want to write that day. And then I write how many words I really did write that day. And then, yeah, you take it over to here and you can see, you can write down what you achieved. That's wonderful. Oh, yeah, being able to see what you achieve, that's, that's a huge thing. Um, it does something for the mental process. I highly encourage people to set goals and meet them. I, I keep a little post-it note on my laptop when I'm going to write, and it has my top three goals for the next day. One of them is my, my golden acorn. If you've read A Piece of Sky, which I also wrote, um, you'll understand what golden acorn means. It means like 
your your unlimited potential. So that's like my biggest one is to hit that golden acorn goal for the day. And that's usually getting X amount of words done. And then I'll have like read for an hour where I, cause it's important for us to read so that we keep our brains working and lubricated and imagining and like one other goal. And you can apply this to anything in your life. You can apply it to like managing your house. You can apply it to writing. You can apply it really anything. So, but the important thing is that you write down your goal, uh, strive to meet it the next day, and then write down what you achieved because that's, that's how you get things done. And it will reinforce your brain all those positive things that, that makes getting things done feel good. I love that. What a great strategy. And then at the end of the year, you can reflect back Absolutely. on everything that you've accomplished during that year and you must have and an see, overwhelming you see yourself grow. Right. Yeah. That's, that's such a great idea. So, so every day, you know, before the next day, you plan your post-it, you, you put out your golden acorn and you have your, your set goals that you want to achieve the next day. And then at, at the end of that day, you'll write down your progress in your, in your yearly calendar. Is that, that right? Yeah. So I, I just keep on top of it, write it every day. Um, and then you should see your, your work count growing too, because as you exercise your brain and commit to reading those goals, you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll grow. You'll see your work count grow too. That's great. So you, you actually get faster through that progression. You, you probably write more words or you're more focused in your work, I would imagine. Right. As long, yeah, as long as you stick with it. That's so great. So we've kind of gone in a wiggly line around the interview questions, but I just, I just love that this is a, a dialogue and we're having a conversation and, and we're getting to know each other. So I wanted to um, go back to the marketing side of things um, because you know, I love following you and following your journey. And, and we, this is the first time we've actually gotten to talk to each other. We've you know, worked, worked together before on, um, you know, through, through email and, and different promotions and things like that. But you just had a very successful BookBub advertising campaign. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about, uh, for people who may not know, what is BookBub? And then, and then you know, what is a BookBub campaign? And, and how, did, you know, how did that happen? Because I've heard it's very difficult to get into their program. Would you talk a little bit about that? It's like the holy grail of marketing. Um, BookBub advertises to everybody. They have a massive like on a mind blowing scale list of subscribers of people they can market to and the out, the reach is just grand. Um, I've been trying for years to get a book bub and I had tried at least 10 times with just the first book of North Oak, 10 rejections over, let's see, four years. And I didn't think I'd ever get one. So I started focusing on getting reviews on book bub specifically and building a following there. And I honestly think that's what clinched it and shoot me in. Uh, and yeah, it, it did good. Um, I don't recommend ad stacking with BookBub. I did take a loss financially that way. Um, that's where like you, you get your BookBub and you're like, oh, this is gonna be so great. I'll add more ads on top of it and get even more tracking. No, don't hmm. do that. <laughs> So BookBub, if you get one, um, mega congrats, take your family out to dinner, go party, even if it's just, you know, McDonald's. <laughs> so, 
So, so congratulations. That, that's okay. amazing. I think you're the first person in, in our, our little horse book world that I know that has gotten one. So you're paving the way for us, which is fantastic. For those that aren't familiar with BookBub, like what does a, a BookBub entail? Like what, what happens? Like what do you need to do to even submit? Like what do you have to have? And then, and then what happens when you actually get one? So you'll want to go to partners.bookbub.com. Uh, register there, get your books uploaded. They usually just take URLs from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, all those sites, and link it through there. And then you can start submitting it through that portal. And they only take the top 20%, well, not top 20 they only take 20% of submissions. Mm. And if you think of like all the authors in the world that are on BookBub submitting, that is a really finite number. So to be accepted, that's, that's a really big thing. It's, it's huge. Um, but that's, that's how you can do it. You can get on there on partners.bookbob.com and get your books going. Start building your following there. Get people to follow you and start having them leave review, reviews there because I really think that helps when BookBub can see that, oh, you have a following with us, specifically the elite. Mm. And, you know, I think that that helps you get a better chance. And then, and then when you are selected for the, the BookBub, which is fantastic because you're independently published and there's traditional publishers in there that are submitting for these BookBubs too. When, when you are, I mean, do you, do you have to lower the price of your book? What do they do for you? Like, it depends on what you submit for. They have different options and price points you can submit for. You can submit for free, 99 cents um, and upwards. Generally, I think it's easier to get a discounted price. And, um, and then you have to pay a fee for them to advertise you. So I think mine was like 200 and if I had not ad stacked, I would have easily made that back. Um, and then they also tell you the estimated sales you'll get for that amount so that you can determine if it's worth it for you or not. Hmm. So, so what they do is essentially they, they blast your book at the price to their subscriber list. Correct. correct. Yeah. yeah. And they, they have it. It's not just like one huge subscriber list. They have it broken down by genre and then micro genres. So I wasn't just like, Oh, I'm, you know, um, so say like your romance or horror or whatever, they'll, they'll blast it to that specific audience. It's not going to be a general audience. It's very focused. Great. And then, uh, did you lower the price of your book? What did you offer yeah, it for? I think I did. It was back in June. So like for, for mom and writer, that was like a million years ago already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I don't remember. I could bring up the Excel files and sometimes, you know, send them I, to you and let you know. I, I want to say, I thought, I think it, you put it at 99 cents. Probably. I, yeah. I, I think that was right. And then, and then I is, kept it there for a while. I think I kept it there until the next book launched in the series. Which is, which is an amazing strategy for someone with eight books in a series, right? You bring people in on the first, they fall in love with your book and then yeah, they want to continue on. The read through has been amazing. I've, I've really enjoyed that. It's been like the biggest reward for me. Mm -hmm. And another big reward. I mean, you're always in uh, the top bestsellers in the equestrian uh, book yep. realm on, on Amazon. You're constantly in there. I always see your books, but through the book bub, you wound up at number one and sustained for, for quite a while too, which yeah, is. And I think, I think number seven was number one pre-order too. So that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. But my goal, my big dream for like that is to see like, 
all my books just like kill the top 20 and <laughs> that would be incredible that, that would domination be yeah well congratulations though on on your success i mean you're you're obviously out there looking at new ways to do things which also leads me into the reason why i wanted to invite you to the show is because you are you are like the master of email marketing and uniting with other authors to build communities not just for yourself but also these other book authors by partnering would you talk a little bit about um, your email list building strategy and like what programs you use and how you partner up with people to like to build that and why why that's so sure. important yeah well I believe like it's not a competition if we can lift each other up we can take over the world you know hashtag authors unite baby right, right? <laughs> a bunch of Valkyries running around our ponies and throwing <laughs> so um I I tried several times to start an email list over the years. I just couldn't get the hang of it. And then I found InstaFreebie. People were talking about InstaFreebie and I joined. And the first one was free. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, $20 at that point wasn't really in my budget. But then I saw that I got a thousand subscribers in like 20, 30 days. And I'm like, okay, take my money, take it. <laughs> and then within three months I had 4,000 subscribers. And, you know, my sales, sales started going up, people knew who I was, all that good stuff. And I wanted to reach out to my other equestrian writers and other writers to bring them on so that they could reap the fruits of this because it's, it really is great when we can help each other, you know, the success just goes around. So... And, and I think that's so true because a horse lover is a horse lover. Someone that loves your books will love my books, will love another writer's books because they're, they're all about horses. That's why right, this right. is such a cool community. Yeah, and I chose a mailing list because uh, Facebook, Twitter, all those fun sites we love, they could go the way of MySpace one day, you know, my what, you know, who. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... Um, and then you have to find everybody again when you find that new hot platform. So, but the way that mailing lists work is that you can collect somebody's email address who they give willingly, and then they can never escape. There is no escape. Well, but you provide them with wonderful content right. that they don't yeah, want to no, leave they anyway. Get, they get to see, you know, tidbits from my life. They get to know what's going on with the series. And um, yeah, I, and then I share... I try to share promotions from the other authors that I'm associated with, which is like anybody that will come on and, and do something with me. And yeah, so it, it works, you know. And, and you do a great job of it. And I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to work with me on some of these things too. It's yeah, like, absolutely. it's really fun. Uh, so uh, trotting backwards, if that's even possible, to the part about instant free insta freebie insta freebie is now prolific works so they've they've changed their name right. uh, what is insta freebie for or prolific works excuse me for people who aren't familiar with with what that is so um it's also there's a couple other sites that are similar to it and i can never remember the names of them because just because i love uh prolific works so much um so you go and you sign up and you link your your mailing list to it. Um, I believe they'll give you a discount if you use MailerLite over MailChimp. I use MailChimp and then I move all my top subscribers to Stand and Blue to help keep my costs down. But once you get signed up with Prolific Works, um, you upload a book that you'll you're willing to give away for free, 
and so that people will join your list once they download the book. And a lot of them will be, they'll treat it like Costco. I mean, we all go to Costco for the samples, right? <laughs> the free lunch. For sure, yeah. <laughs> so, um, they'll treat it like that and unsubscribe, but I don't really worry about it because I get more subscribers than unsubscribes. And I look at it as just my list keeping house by itself. You know, if, if they're going to be there, they're going to be there. And if not, then blessings to them. However, I do use a little trick that if they unsubscribe, they'll get a link to share with their friends and family who can then download my book and subscribe. Oh, that's so it just perpetuates itself. <laughs> that's so smart. You know, and, one, step, and, one step backwards, two steps forwards. Yeah, no, that's, and that's great. And, and again, this makes a whole lot of sense for someone with a series that's eight books deep and heading towards 20, right? You know, because people right. can read that first book fall in love with the characters and then want more you know that's that's that really makes a lot of sense so if you know if you only have a standalone book out there one you know this might not be a, you know yeah. well if if you're just going to do like one or one to three books you can always just do a spin-off book and upload that as your freebie mm-hmm yeah or like a short story or you know like a prequel something like that so um, lots of smart marketing strategies that you're sharing with us thank you for that um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you do, uh, to, to get book reviews. You have quite a few reviews and then on your own Amazon page, but then now you're also generating book bub followers and, and reviews there. Do you have a system? Is there anything you would recommend for getting yeah. book reviews? Cause they're very important, right? If your book doesn't have any reviews, it doesn't even show up in search on Amazon until you have like eight reviews or something. Right. Right. I heard it was more like 50. That's when it really kicks in. Yeah, so if you I get try. 50, they start marketing it to other people yeah. be, because you like this, you might like this sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. I get I get emails to myself all the time from Amazon and it's, it's like Twilight Zone. But <laughs> I cannot recommend Booksprout enough. I love Booksprout. What you do is you, you sign up there, you upload your book, and then you invite, say, people from your mailing list to get the book. And they leave a review at whatever sites you designate on Booksprout to leave a review at. Now, the great thing about Booksprout is if they fail to uphold, if your reader fails to uphold their end of the bargain, Booksprout can ban them from future downloads of books, and not just yours, like anybody's, so that you don't get freeloaders downloading your book and, you know, not... I don't want to say earning their way, but earning their way. <laughs> so part so part of their commitment is if they get the book for free, it's free, right? If they get the book for free, then then part of their commitment to getting that book is to leave the author a review. Right. So you can tell them, I want reviews at Amazon, Goodread, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, although some of my people, my regular people, um, okay, well, not regular people. My regular people are fine. Um some of my new people that come on, they're like, really? All of those sites? Really? And I'm like, look, you write the one and you copy and paste all the others. It takes like, what, like three minutes to copy and paste and post to the site. That's not a big deal. So, but it means, it makes a big deal to us as authors because mm -hmm. it, it helps us get sales. It helps feed our families and, you know, help keep us wanting to work because it's really discouraging if you're not reaching anybody and, you know, changing those lives that you want to reach out and touch because that's that's always been the point of storytelling is to reach out and touch. Um, side tangent, in fact, that's where that's where applause comes from, is that it was meant for touch 
that they want to touch somebody. That's where oh, applause comes from. I love that. So, I, did not know I learned that. I learned that in theater. I was a theater major because oh, cool. I, I was told growing up that you can't make money writing books. <laughs> and then my parents, you know, nobody saw the, the indie revolution coming, but you know, we were born and we were saved for that day and age. So um so yeah, it means a lot to us to leave reviews. Booksprout is awesome and it also gives you protection against piracy, which is just fantastic. And I yeah, Booksprout, Booksprout, Booksprout. That's great. So and I imagine there's like a monthly user fee or, or something for Oh, for it's Booksprout. free. Booksprout is free. Well yes. then ah, yes. applause, applause, applause. <laughs> I mean they have upgraded plans that you can pay for, but I'm perfectly happy with my free plan. Well, that's great information. So I, I haven't even heard of Booksprout. So you just opened up a whole new realm for me. Yes. I appreciate that. Very yeah. cool. So everybody gallop over and check that out. And, and all the resources that Anne mentions, mentions in this interview, I'll make sure to link to in the show notes so it's easily accessible um, because you're providing a wealth of, wealth of information here. So talking about re reviews, right, and getting reviews, like what are your thoughts on good and bad reviews? Like what, what, would, you, what would you say to an aspiring author when their first reviews start coming in? Um, you really have to think about it as a product. Your book is no longer your baby. It belongs to the world. So you have to think about it like a product. It's no different than a can of Pepsi, okay? Um, do you have control over everyone's opinion of Pepsi? No. no. No, you don't, okay? It's not your fault if somebody doesn't like Pepsi. You just roll with it and know that there's still plenty of awesome weirdos just like you that love Pepsi. Um, I have my favorite one-star review that I've ever gotten, and this was on Goodreads and Subtle Beauty, was all caps, and it simply said, hell no. <laughs> that is my favorite one-star review I've ever gotten on one of my books. Which is so strange. It's, you know, it's like, and I would agree, like when, when you become an author, you have to get a thick skin because you're putting your creative self out into the world and not everyone is going to love your book. You know, there'll be plenty of people that do, but you know, that that's kind of an eye opener when you, you realize that, you know, you put a product into the world that's going to be for a lot of people, but not for some people. Um, and, and you know, you just have to have faith that you're gonna find your, your herd of weirdos and those weirdos are your weirdos, okay? And they will follow you to the ends of the earth and back. Yep, and, and we, we, heart, we heart our readers. They yes, heart our readers. Yes, wanna hang on to. Yeah, no, we, we, you know, readers are so important and your reviews are so important and um, we really appreciate the good reviews, but we also have to roll, you know, with those that aren't so favorable, right? Right, and you know, it's funny, if like, if you have, all good reviews, it's going to look kind of fishy. Mm -hmm. You know, even Harry Potter that we all love has negative reviews. That's true. There's some brutal reviews of Harry Potter <laughs> that I've looked at. And Stephen King has gotten terrifying, brutal reviews. So, you know, it's, it's what's, what I find interesting about, about reviews is there's always a nugget of good sometimes. I, you know, hell no, obviously not. But, like, I don't know why someone would even do that and not be possible. <laughs> Giving you any I don't know. That book has issues. I, I intend to rewrite it, but that's still my favorite. No, no. It's the, I, you know, it's like, it, and, and, and first babies are first babies. I know, you know, it's like when, when you put, sometimes you just have to kick yourself in the hiney and like put something into the world, right? And like the, the first product is 
not always perfect. So you have to go back and do the revisions. I know I had to do that within the reins. You know, there were some, some errors that got through in the editing and then, you know, you go back and you fix them, like, but it's the first step in the first dip your toe in and you learn your lessons along the way. And my thing with bad reviews is, you know, I like it when there's constructive feedback or criticism, you know, yeah. like something I can build from, you know, if you don't like something, you know, at least try and offer some advice for how a writer can improve. Right. You know, like right. I got, I got a review that wasn't so favorable with a woman who was angry because my uh, lead female character didn't wear a helmet when she rode. You yeah. know, so, so, and that's personal preference. Right. So, you know, even though they're fictional characters and they can't crack their head open for her, that was a big deal. Right. And you know, you don't know where that's coming from. So, so, you know, always look, there's always a gem somewhere, you know, and, and you just got to keep going because we do this for our creative souls, right. As much as for our readers. So it's a, it's a healthy thing and good and bad reviews come and go. Right. Right. And so going back to finding uh, those tidbits of feedback, one, another thing that's great about Booksprout is it leaves space for your, your reviewer to write back to you and tell you what you can improve and what they liked which is also amazing. Oh, that's amazing feedback, right? Because, you know, it really helps uh, build your, your writing career and your journey as you go and, and continue on with the series. Like a lot of the feedback that I've gotten has really helped me add things into my series that readers are curious about, you know, so getting that feedback is gold. Another great question. What is the hardest part for you uh, in being an author? Um, I would say that goes back to my struggle with depression and anxiety. Um, and I think a lot of people will, like especially women and, and moms, parents, they'll, they can feel overwhelmed. So staying on top of the actual writing is the biggest challenge. And, you know, you got to keep up with your kids and your life and, I have, I have a training schedule at Taekwondo that I have to keep up with on top of that, you know? So just, just finding the balance, balance is the biggest thing. You, I would, I would counsel writers to put boundaries on their lives and say, you know, this is my set schedule of when I'm going to work. This is my set schedule of when I'm with my kids. This is my set schedule when I have my me time. Mm -hmm. And that's really important for, I think, just your whole life, your mental and spiritual health are just as important as your physical health. And that's one of the things I had to do in the last year was put boundaries on Taekwondo because when I was at, before I, I had a really bad accident last year where I shattered my leg. Oh my goodness. And yeah, no, it was like horrific. Um, the doctors had said that they had only seen that kind of break like two or three times in their entire careers and they were like our parents age oh so my. that's a really long time so anyway um, it put a lot of things in perspective for me and before then I was at Taekwondo every single day and I wasn't getting writing done which is probably why there was such a big gap between North Oak books five and six just mm -hmm. because I was just so obsessed with Taekwondo and advancing so after I broke my leg, I had like 12 weeks of bed rest, and that's a lot of time for a person to figure out life. And I realized I need to put boundaries on certain areas of my life so that I could write, because I know that I am called to write and to reach those lives and, and touch the lives that need to be helped 
and you know have that have that support that they need through North Oak. So yeah, put boundaries on. You say you know I this is my schedule, this is what I'm working on, and this is what I'm going to get done. Bring your little planner into it, um, the book, and and commit to it. That's really great. And I really want to commend you for talking about, you know, these difficult issues and sharing in sharing your story and, and how you deal, how you're dealing with the depression, because um, I think it's really important to talk about that stuff. And, and I'm really proud of you for being open enough to share that with your readers and share it through your work and share it through the story. And, and um, that's just really amazing. And it, it must be kind of difficult difficult to talk about that openly or are you just you're like I, I'm okay you know I've I've dealt with it for so long that it's just just what I deal with you know it's just part of life thankfully I I, I do have medication but for the longest time I didn't and I was a completely different person before then this has helped me feel so much more human I'm I would I would beg with anyone that that struggles with this to get help, get, find the solution that works for them, find counseling, find the medication, find your good diet that makes you feel amazing and, and get on it because it will make you a different person and that different person will be for the better. It's really important advice. Yes. And uh, I'll make sure to include a, a link to a hotline below in the, in the show notes for anybody that that is inspired to make that call after after listening to you share your story. So I'm keep doing the work, and you know I'm I'm sure your creative outlets like the writing and the, your supportive husband and your taekwondo and 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 all those things help, right? In addition to right. someone and and the medication. So yeah, thanks thanks to taekwondo because I I joined that right around the time I started seeing someone for my depression. I. Uh, it, it taught me so much. It taught me mind, body, and soul. So you really need to look after all three aspects of that, of yourself, because you'll be, you'll be happier for it. That's, that's wonderful. And um, I, I totally believe in that too. Mind, body, soul, you got to take care of all those different components, uh, particularly in this crazy world we're living in and all these new, new crazy issues that people are dealing with. Um, so, so thank you for being so open and, sh and sharing about that during our interview. Um, so we talked about the difficult th part about being an author. What would you say is the very, very best part about being an author and creating these books? Sharing the story, just plain and simple. If, if I can touch a life and help them to change or heal, then my work is complete. You know, I, I hope to find um, that special person someday that they'll, they've read North Oak and they find me and they said, me you wrote this for me and i'll i'll hug them i said i know and i've been waiting for you that's wonderful i you know that person may already be out there and after they hear this interview they'll maybe reach out and and just let you know just that i'm sure you've you've touched <clears throat> multitudes of people with with your writing and your openness uh and your your wonderful horse stories thank you yeah. So, you know, with Taekwondo, you know, I, in the, in the questions I sent over, I asked you, is there anything I should have asked, but didn't. So, and you wrote back my two world Taekwondo Federation national championship gold medals. Holy smokes. That's incredible. <laughs> Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about that, yeah. but then there's also something you're, you're up to too, that I, I think would be really interesting for listeners to, to know. So why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit more? So um, my daughter started Taekwondo when she was four, and then a couple of years ago, they did a promotion where 
if a family member joins, you got like six months free. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't avoid that anymore. <laughs> so I joined Taekwondo. <laughs> and they require us to be at least three times before we get our black belt. And they, they really, really encourage you to do it before you get black belt because it just gets harder the higher rank you get because you're competing against people with more and more experience. So I started competing like as a blue belt, which is an intermediate rank, just barely past like the beginning ranks. And I started getting medals there. And then I went to um, the national championships were going to be held here in Salt Lake. And so we were really pushed to participate in that and qualify for it because that was a once in a lifetime thing. It's usually held back east or um, this year it was in Minneapolis. So last year I competed at state championships and I took two gold and one bronze. Um, my gold was in weapons and board breaking. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, love, I love board breaking. I, it's just board breaking is super fun. And, and then I went to nationals and I took golden board breaking because they, they don't do weapons at nationals, which I think is lame. I wish they did. I'm like uh, imagining you running around with like nunchucks or. or I like use thighs. What, are you, what do you use? Thighs. So, you know, uh, Raphael, the Ninja Turtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his little trident one. Those are size. Oh, those little things that they, you chuck at things? No, those are ninja stars. No, oh. they're, they're like tridents. They're like tridents. You want me to get it? Yes, go okay, get it. Go get it. <laughs> I have like a crazy amount of weapons in this room. It's scary. Hang on. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, I'm bringing in like two sets of my weapons. Oh, this is so cool. Okay, so, <laughs> so people, for people that aren't watching us talk to each other on YouTube, you have to describe... Oh, now I know what that is. So you have to describe what you're holding up so we understand and, and tell us what the name of it is. So this is a side. Mine is uh, stainless steel. They weigh about two pounds a piece. Um, that's what I normally compete with. You don't normally see people competing with these. They're not as common. A lot of people, they'll do bow staff, which I have. I have a bow staff, but it seems silly to bring the bow staff in here. Didn't Napoleon Dynamite have a bow staff? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's called a, a say what? Sai. S A I. S A I. And it's got a, a it's got three points: a long point in the middle and two points on other side with a handle right. at the bottom. So right. very, very cool. So they're not fun to drop on your toe. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. You've done that. I've also like impaled myself a couple times. Oh, good grief! Practice. <laughs> um, and they're not pointed. They're not allowed to be like sharpened or anything. But I keep it polished. I use like tire chrome on it. And do you and use then, two of those at once? And yeah. Like spin them. So you can you 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 can flip them out. You can throw them. You can stab. But we gotta get back to the horsey stuff. Okay, one more thing. So, and then this. <laughs> this is fascinating. Okay. Now that looks like the Grim Reaper small version. Yeah, it looks like a scythe. It's like a small hand scythe. The interesting thing about a lot of the weapons in martial arts is that they stem from farming implements. So I guess that gets back to horses a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so this was this was originally like back in, you know, the medieval ages, um, a farming implement. It was like a hand scythe, okay? And nunchucks were actually used to like um with the wheat to grind it up and Oh wow! So yeah, so everything is connected. These things were used around horses. Yeah. So, 
So this is more like a hand scythe. Mine has spikes on the end, which I think is awesome. That is cool. Yeah. So when you demonstrate weapon use in Taekwondo, like in these, in these competitions that you go to, like how, how, how do you demonstrate your um, ability to use these things? Right. So you use, you use techniques that you can learn at um, varying levels of your martial arts career. So I try to implement stuff from the more advanced ranks. And with weapons, you're able to make up your own routine, which is kind of fun. Mm. So you just kind of put on this little show and dance and be flashy and show off and get applause. <laughs> that sounds great. So, um, so I've got the, so from the first time for Salt Lake, I, I did state championships and I competed in at the state, at the nationals, got gold there. And then I broke my leg that September. And within seven months of the day, I competed at state again here in Utah, and I got three gold medals, and I, and that was in, that was in board breaking weapons and, um, Pumsa, which is like this little dance you do to show that you know the techniques for your rank. That's fantastic! Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And then karate people may know it as kata, performs. Okay. So, so and then. Uh, for nationals, I was able to go to Minneapolis, which was super fun. I love that. I got to meet one of my longtime um, model horse friends that we've been friends since we were teenagers, and we got to meet in person for the first time. And I took her to the racetrack for the first time. That was super cool. Um, I took gold there, and then a couple of weeks later, I was crazy and out of my mind and went to the U.S. Open and took gold there in board break, not in board breaking in weapons against someone that was higher ranked than I am. Wow. Well, this is, this sounds like a, it's a fantastic outlet in addition to your writing, but also yeah. you're very good at it just like you are with writing. So I'm sure people would be very interested to know, you know, what other hobbies that you're interested in too. Should, should I blind you with my medals? I can go get my medals. Oh my goodness. Go for it. <laughs> Hang on a second. Okay. Oh, I can hear them jingling just like my show off. Can you tell? Oh no, this is like, this is so cool. Like you're so talented. I love this. Um, yeah. My kids were like, they sound like chimes, mom. So yeah, there's, there's a couple of them all together. I have like 11. Wow. You should be very proud of yourselves. Um, eventually I want it because they're, they're super heavy. They're ridiculous. They look heavy. Um, they sound heavy. <laughs> um, so I want to get a shadow box for them and, you know, mount them nicely and keep them nice and put on perfect. It's boring in vinyl on the front. I love that. And I also love that you're wearing a t-shirt, which represents yeah. your love of Taekwondo. That is the, the, is the unicorn. Sports. Yeah. It's unicorns mimicking like the, um, the ponies. Channels, right. Yeah. It's so cool. So, and, and one of them has uh, one of your weapons on it. So it's like very, very fitting. There's, mm, this one has pizza. This one has a katana stuck to his head. <laughs> yeah, they all do. So that one's got the side. That one's got the bow staff. Yep. So they're, they're unicorns that are sort of like the Ninja Turtles that have their <laughs> horns are built out of, the, out of the weapons. That's, that's great. Right, and, right, right. and they're kind of, they have ho their horses too. Horses yeah. with, with weapon horns. Hilarious. <laughs> that's so awesome. So, and then, okay, so I'm um, getting back to writing and all that good stuff. Uh, I'm currently heading up a young writers and illustrators group at my daughter's school. 
um, I'm teaching them all the ins and outs of writing in pre preparation to edit um, my first middle grade horror novella. Ooh. It came to me in a nightmare and it was so detailed and vibrant. I'm like, oh, I have to write this. Um, and it's kind of like where Jurassic Park meets Jumanji and uh, Killer Tiger gets loose and starts stalking the keepers. I love it. It's super fun. Yeah. But so I wanted to lay a foundation of writing for the young writers so that they would know what they were looking for when they get to editing zoo. Um, also the next North Oak is in the works. It's going to be called Ride for Glory. Applause. And, <laughs> and I'm teaming up with some other equestrian writers to release some romances with an equestrian background under a shared pseudonym next year. I love that. And doesn't it say on the wall behind you? What's that say? It says. Oh, this. I, so I'm. I'm one of those. I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> so my the saying back here is uh, true love stories never have endings. I think that that's fantastic, and I think that that you know for as a romance writer myself, you know, you, I love that idea of just it continues and you leave it leave it open ended. I think that's that's really cool. So. Final question, and this is a question that was supposed to happen at the beginning, but now we're going to leave it up at the end, and I think it tells a tale of your connection to horses. Would you share with us, um, you know, an, an interesting story about your horsey background yeah. and kind of where it all started? <laughs> so my parents were kind of hobby breeders of Arabians when I was really little. We had a, whole, a small band of horses, and I was about four, four to six. I run around half naked with a herd of Arabian horses on the Wasatch Front. And I would get kicked and bitten and stamped on and treated out just like any other naughty little foal that was out of line. And that's where I learned it from. That's where I you know, learned basic horsemanship. And it grew from there. I would visit my grandparents in the summer, like I mentioned earlier. And they would let me take riding lessons. So I learned hunter jumper when I was about 10. And I, yeah, I've always just loved horses. and. I did some, um, I would help out at assisted riding centers just so I could ride the horses because they let us exercise the horses they weren't using that day. And I'd also do muck out stalls in exchange for riding lessons. You know, whatever I could do to stay involved with being equestrian. And now my daughter is old enough. She'll be 12 next summer. And I believe that the stable that I used to do the internship at starts letting kids muck stalls for riding lessons at the age of 12. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, I'm hoping to get her going to that. She already loves horses. They're both horse nerds like I am. And they, they guard my little Briar collection in their room. And uh, my oldest went with me to Briar Fest last year. And we did, we did Keeneland and Old Friends. And it was, it was amazing. One of my favorite pictures of my oldest and I is we got cut in this torrential rainstorm at Keeneland. And we are just like dripping soaked. And we had the biggest grins on our faces. And I, I just love that picture of her. And I, it's the most fun I'd ever had gotten wet. That's so amazing. And Briarfest, oh my goodness, is such a blast. It's like yeah. the horse epitome it's of comic, the universe. I, I tell people that it's Comic-Con for horse nerds. Totally. And did yeah. you go to the, um, oh man, what's the name of that hotel where every room transforms? Oh, into the Clarion? Like, the Clarion, yes. Like when I went there for the first time, I was like, is this real? Like, I know. <laughs> and they like the, the rooms don't even match up and they like there's like this whole other block yeah i have heard of this legendary place but i have not been there oh uh, we goodness ended up staying at a horse farm a couple miles away which was really nice um 
I love a Airbnb for anybody that likes to travel. Airbnb is the way to go. It's just more personalized and cleaner and nicer and mm -hmm. by experience anyway. So now that the Secretariat Monument is getting installed in Lexington, my goal is to get back there with my daughter and go see it because we've been following the the production of it and its travel and we're really excited to see it someday. Cool. Well, Anne, here's here's like a great tip. I know that you entered uh, one of your books in the Equus Film Festival last year, but a great opportunity for you and your daughter to get back to the horse park and to promote your books it would be to submit another book for the Equus Film Festival Literary Corral because they've just changed venues. It's no longer in New York City. They are hosting the Equus Film Festival big shebang thing at the, the, at the Kentucky Horse Park. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so the, that's a great you know, reason to get out there with your books, mingle with other authors, that, but then take your daughter there to the horse park, see the secretary, yeah. watch a bunch of movies. Like that would be a blast. Yeah, one of my goals is, um, I think when she turned 16 that year, is going to be like either the I think it's going to be the 150th Kentucky Derby or 200th. It's a big number, and so I want to make a big family trip out of it and and go to that and get them gussied up because they're they're girly girls. I I am not, but they are girly girls and they would just love to get gussied up. Oh, uh, that would be fun. They can wear the big boofy hat and, and have the whole experience. How fun! And I'm um, I I I would love to get like a booth at Briarfest with other authors that would help cut the cost a booth at Briarfest is about $800 and then you have to add all the travel and shipping and merchandise and it gets really expensive I still have a ton of merchandise left over from the last time I went to Briarfest so I would like to get back to some of those venues where I can share a booth with other authors and we can benefit from each other well, give me a holler. I'm all about like uniting and supporting and, and yeah. teaming up. So I would be happy to do that. And Briarfest was, was a great opportunity to, you oh know, my when gosh, I was it's there. amazing. You get, there's 10,000 or 12,000 people come through in a weekend. I sold out of my books. I ordered 300 paperbacks and I sold out of them at Briarfest. That's incredible. Yeah. It's so, all the other junk that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that we can get a group of people together to share a table and go hang out and be at Briarfest and do this together. So I, you know, I, how many people are you looking for? I'm number two. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, like two, two to four. I was, I sent a text to Brittany Dovenberg the other day and asked her if she would like to join in too because she's got some fantasy ones mm -hmm. and next year the the theme is celtic so i think she would fit in just right right there oh that would be perfect i'm actually talking with Brittany um next saturday so okay she, bring it up to her like i will i'll share i'll share this with her and, and we can all partner up and meet up and uh, meet up there at briarfest i think that would be a whole lot of fun and 300 books are you kidding me i'll do that i'll do that's amazing. And 300 books of like the entire series or 300. Yeah, well, like, like I said, I only have the first three books of the series in paperback. So I sold out of those. Wow. That's, that's, that's a very, that's a very successful event. Yeah. So it was really funny. I'm, I, I special ordered the books to get here to Utah on time because we were driving to Kentucky and, um, we were supposed to leave and they hadn't gotten here. And so we called create space who was in charge of them at the time. And they said, don't worry, don't worry. We'll get them there. Don't worry. And so we said, can you send them to um, where we're staying at the Airbnb in Kentucky? And they said, absolutely. Don't even worry about it. We're not going to charge you or anything. And so they sent um, 
100 copies each of Yearling and Morning Glory because I was missing them. I only had Born to Run. And so as we're pulling out of the driveway Monday morning, the UPS truck shows up with my 200 books. Oh, wow. And so, okay, we get it all loaded in. We're like, oh, phew. okay. So we start driving. The next day we're in Colorado and I get a call from my Airbnb and she's like, 200 books just showed up in my barn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, no! so we did sell out of what we, we brought with us, but we came back with several of the ones that showed up at the Airbnb. But so kudos to create space for such good yeah. customer service. Like they're, they were an Amazon company. It's now moved. Now they are an Amazon company. Now they are Amazon. So yeah, but a great customer service. And you know, you can always use those books for something else. Yeah. Yeah. Next Briar yep. Fest, we go to together. <laughs> so, and thank you again so much for being on the show today and giving us the gift of your knowledge and your time and sharing with us openly about some of the uh, struggles that you're dealing with and, and how you're handling them and taking care of them. I really appreciate that. Share with people where they can find you and all your books, like social media and your, your book, where your books are available. And let's do that real quick. I, I occasionally check in on Twitter. I Ann Hunter, 82. Um, Alex from North Oak also has her own account on Twitter, North Oak Series. That's all you got to do. She writes some sassy stuff sometimes and razzes her friends in the series. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can find me facebook.com slash author Ann Hunter for my regular books. If you want just North Oak, it's facebook.com slash North Oak Series. I also have a shop on there where you can get the paperback signed. Like I'll send them to your autograph with swag stuff. Um, I have bookmarks and stickers and um, you can also get color changing water bottles and t-shirts all on that cool. Facebook page. Yes. <laughs> and let's see, where else am I? I'm on Goodreads, goodreads.com. And Hunter, I think I don't know. I'll I'll put all the links so people can get to you really easily in the show notes. Okay. So, so yeah. you have to remember all this stuff. <laughs> mainly, mainly I live on Facebook, so I'm not I'm not terribly hard to find, and I always write back to my readers. It's so important to me to build a report with my readers. Um, if you want to write to me, you can get me at anhunter.author at gmail, and anything that is absolutely North Oak series related. You can get that at northoakjr at aol.com. But if you just want to talk to me, it's the Gmail account. That's great. And everybody go check out Anne's books. They're fantastic. The holidays are right around the corner. The series. Yeah, now is the time to get those signed paperbacks, you guys. Absolutely. Yep. yep. So, so all the information on how you can connect with Anne will be in the show notes. And, and Anne, thank you again for the gift of your time. I really appreciate it. for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. I love it when authors unite and I love supporting our community and, and, and you are exactly the same. We're, we're a really great group of people and we take care of each other and we just love horses. So yeehaw, right. Um, again, so have a wonderful day. Thank you for sharing with us and, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye Anne. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. 
Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.